Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Because I know this is what the Lord's put on my heart to preach. I'm in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number 6. Nehemiah 6, I'm just going to read three verses and I'll... We'll do a little catch up here. To, everybody's not a Bible reader. And uh, they don't know who Nehemiah is. Nehemiah chapter number 6. If you found that, shout amen. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein. Though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. That Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. That's what I'm preaching on this morning. I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Father, we love you, and I thank you for this day. I love the Lord down deep in my heart. And we know that one day we're coming to the land where the living water flows. John saw the, 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 the river coming from the throne of God. And I know, God, that Adam lost us in the fall. But I know that Jesus brought us back. And I'm praying you'd use me for a little while today. God, illuminate my mind on what I've studied. Help me, God, fill my mouth and guard my tongue and preach like a dying man to dying people. Lord, glorify yourself through me one more time. Grant it, God. Do it for your glory. I ask it in my king's name, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> and amen. Now we know that uh, the Bible students know this. At this time, Ezra has left. God let Ezra go from Babylonian captivity. And, and Ezra has come and he's, he's erected or built the temple. And there the temple sets. But when Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer for the king in the Persian Empire, he's got a good government job. And when he asked, he said, hey, how's my people doing? What's the state of Jerusalem? They said, it's in ruins. Said the walls are broke down and the gates have been burned. And it's a mess over there ultimately is what he's saying. And it smote the heart of Nehemiah. To know that his, God's people was living there with the ability to get a hold of God because the temple was there. Yet all around them they were in ruin and chaos and things wasn't as good as they could be. I'm going to say this today. In a lot of Christians' lives, things aren't as good as they could be. Hey, I'm afraid we live in spiritual poverty sometimes when God says, I got life and I got it more abundant. He wants to give us more than we have now, spiritually speaking. Nehemiah recognized that. 
He couldn't get his heart off of it. God burdened him because God needed a man to go do the work and Nehemiah was the one he chose. So Nehemiah comes. I'm not going into a lot of details. Chapter 3 shows you it runs parallel with 4, 5, and 6. Chapter 3 kind of shows you what they done, how they built them, where the gates were, what the gates represent. I got a message I preached on those 12 gates and I ought to turn it into a week's worth of revival. And then we come, but he's been opposed all the way through this. Every time he tries to do something for God, there's opposition. Can I tell you, it hasn't changed any. If you're going to do, listen to me, Dad. If you're going to lead your family in 24, I said the other night, my, my, my theme for this year is going to be more in 24. If you're going to lead your family in 24, according to the word of God, listen, you're going to have to step up. And when it's church day, you're going to say, and when they say, I don't want to go, you say, you're going. And lead them. We need, and we got a house full of men that are leading in that way, and I commend you for it. So he, he faced opposition. But if you decide to do that, there's going to be trouble. There'll be, the devil will oppose you when you try to do something for the glory of God. So in verse number one, here's what we see in, in chapter six. First, we see the wall restored. He said, we got the wall restored. But that word, that word there, no breach means no gap. So there's no gap in the wall. The wall is round about the city of Jerusalem. And you can do a study on this if you want to. It started out small, it got bigger, it then increased all the way around. Uh, Brother Grover and I have walked a lot of the old wall when we was over there, Sister Mary, uh, taking that trip and some of the others. Walked around the old wall, but it got bigger every year. You can see that. They would increase it as the kingdom increased. But there was no breach. There was no gap in the wall. In the wall. But there was no gates. So the work wasn't done. Get this, get this. It doesn't matter that you've done it nearly all. He wants you to do it all. Now, Nehemiah could have looked over there. He could have said, hey, look what we've done. We've built up these walls. This wall, this is great. Look what we've done. Y'all been good. You've done a good job. And the enemy come by and said, hey, I want to take you out here to oh no. And he said, oh no, I'm not going. And he didn't go. Why? Because he wasn't done. He knew what it was he needed to do. The gates aren't up. If you look that up, it can also mean door, and we know who the door is. It don't matter if the wall's up, if the door isn't there, you're in trouble. The wall was restored. Verse number two, we see the enemy's request. He says, hey, come down here, I want to talk to you. You know what the enemy does? No different today. You get right in the middle of camp meeting, you get right in the middle of some, doing something for the glory of God. I mean, hey, 
the power is there. You're seeing the work come to fruition. It's a good day. You're praising God. All of a sudden, the enemy will come by and say, don't you sing another song. The enemy will come by and say, don't you testify. Don't raise your arms and think you're crazy. Don't shed no tears in there. What do you want them to do? Mess you make up. The enemy will come and talk to you. Here's what the enemy's looking for this. He's looking for a discussion. The enemy, the enemy wants to come. He wants you, he wants you to whatever you're doing for God. He wants you to just come down. If you're doing it for God, you're doing it on a higher level. Anytime God's got you up here doing something for him, if it is sweeping this floor, you're on a high level. If you do anything other than that, you're coming down. Say, hey, listen, we do some jobs that, that people don't even know we're doing. That's right, and you're doing them for God. Whatsoever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord. Look, and don't come down. Don't come down. Just keep on working. Every, about every Monday morning, he comes by the house, Randy. He said, well, you didn't see nobody saved on Sunday. You preached, you ain't got no voice. Your back's hurt, you can't hardly walk, you ain't got no teeth. You're about done, you might as well throw in the towel. I say, oh no. I'm not going there. Calm down, Roland. He'll say, you boys quit. Come down. Just come on down. Nehemiah said, but if I come down, well, I'm feeling spiritual right here. He said, if I come down, the work's going to cease. And I ain't got time to come down because the work will stop and the work must continue. And the title of my message is, I cannot come down. So we see him. We see him. The walls were stored. We see the request of the enemy. It's not only, it's not only to, that he wants to bring you down, but it's the distance that he wants to take him. Get this. Ono is about 25 miles away. How many knows that back in that day, you was either riding a donkey or walking? Only the rich and the elite had camels. So you got a donkey ride for 25 miles or you're going to walk 25 miles. And he says, no, I'm not going. Not only did he want him to come down, but he wanted him to distance himself from what God had him doing. So when we, when we begin, here's what we do. I've been at it too long, Jimmy. I've learned one or two things. It's easy to see when, he, when people begin to distance themselves. How do you know that, preacher? Because this, this is seldom used, even in the service. So I can pray in my seat. Yes, you can. You can pray in your seat. But I dare say they've been in the last five years, 2,000, they've been a lot. In the last five years, we have three, three services a week. And, and so and 52 weeks out of the year, some mathematician figured that up for me. And then you multiply that by two or three times. Hey, they've been 1,000 invitations given. And you're telling me that in those 1,000 invitations, God spoke and said, do you need something or you need some help or you're not doing this now? And the opportunity was to come and get help. And you say, they must be talking to Junior Swafford. 
And every time we say no, we distance ourselves. He said, come down. Hey, just come down. Well, it had been one thing if he went down, but it's where he wanted him to go. That was the problem. He's going to go 25 miles away. Now, some argue might have been 20, could have been up to 30. But in the valley, depending on where he was going to be in that plain of Ono. And there he was. Hey, that's a long way off. There's a lot of things going to happen when you're not where you're supposed to be. You still with me? We see the wall is restored. The enemy's request. And we see Nehemiah's response. Here's his comment. I cannot come down. I cannot come down. I'm not going down. I'm not backing up. I'm not backing up. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to raise the bar. I'm not going to be complacent and satisfied. Hey, I, listen, we've seen the miracles. We've seen what God's done. We've heard them testified to, but I'm still, I'm just, I'm, I'm not. Nehemiah said it's too important. I'm not coming down. God's answered too many prayers for me this year for me to come down. I cannot come down. I started to testify this in Sunday school. You got right in this row, but I saved it. I think God would have me tell it now. So when Dusty's father-in-law, Joe Best Daddy Arnold, when Arnold was at the hospital and he hadn't been in church a long time, he's at the hospital, the doctor came in weeping. Now, I'm telling you, doctors don't do that. This doctor came in weeping and said, I can't do nothing else for you. And I'm sorry. And they had a trip planned in October and he said, he said I'm just telling you, might as well cancel your plans. You're not going to make it. And then they gave him some, some, some treatment. And that, that, that just, it was just over. And all of a sudden, they approved this new treatment. The doctor said, here's what he said. He sent his nurse in to tell Arnold. said, look, said, I heard from Jesus. I'll take that doctor. He said, I heard from Jesus, and Jesus said, you ought to continue. Why didn't he speak to Arnold? Arnold's beat down. Arnold's troubled. When the king was in trouble in Jerusalem, did he speak to the king? Occasionally. But you know what he done most of the time? He spoke to the prophet. The prophet went and spoke to the king. King had to believe what the prophet said. And when the king believed what the prophet said, God got to give the increase. And last Sunday morning, after them telling him get ready for a funeral in October, he took his deacon's place on Sunday morning and got up and spoke behind the pulpit and Dusty said they gave him a standing ovation. You tell me! I can't come down! It's too important to stay where we're at! Your lost family's gonna be in hell forever if you don't stay where you're at. Don't you come down! Listen, that mama... Or that daddy that's lost, that brother, sister, that family member, that child, that husband, that wife. Don't you come down. You stay on the wall. I cannot come down. Not coming down. Well, now that was in Nehemiah's day. What should we do today? 
the same thing. David said in the valley, or up on the hill before he went in the valley to fight Goliath, he said, is there not a cause? Listen, so here's three reasons why we shouldn't come down. I can give you a hundred. Number one, don't come down for your children's sake. Don't you come down for your children's sake. You keep doing what you're doing. You just stay on the wall. You stay on the wall. It's too important. I cannot come down. I must continue what God's got me to do. Hey, there's no place to let up. There's no place to give in. There's no place to throw in the towel. I've got to do it for the children's sake. If you study this and count the number of children that came with them, there was 15,074 children that was in that number of 50,000. So there's 15,000 74 children in the number of 50,000 that came back from Babylon. And now I won't argue, it's plus or minus there a little bit. But I'm pretty dogmatic about this because God gives the number of these in this particular chapter. You can read it of the children that came out and then it begins with the fathers. I want everybody that's in here that's 18 or under to stand up. You young kids, you young kids get up in the pew where we can all see you. Get up there, Colin, where I can see you, baby. 18 or under. You tell me. (laughs) Don't you come down for their sake. Don't you do it for their sake. Don't you come down. Don't come down. You can't come down. You can be seated. They're quitting every day, Jimmy. Every day. Somebody said to me the other day, I was talking, I said, did you ask them about coming to church? Here's what they said. They had a bad experience. Well, whoopie doo. I wish you'd pastor for about 30 minutes on Monday morning. First Peter said this, let's see kids, be sober and be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I've watched a lot of animal videos. I watch them big lions. <laughs> Usually the females do most of the hunting. The guys just eat and make babies. But every now and then there's a king lion out there and he'll spot something and he knows that it's not going to take much effort to kill that thing. And he loves to eat hyenas. They're their number one enemy. And when he sees a little hyena out there, and that thing just creeping along, he'll hit it in a dead run. Why? Because he knows it can't outrun him. And I watched one last night, and he grabbed that thing by the neck, and he must have really enjoyed it because he done a backflip and then bit his head nearly off. So that's kind of gruesome. You know what the enemy come to do? Thank you, Jimmy. Don't come down. Don't you come down. Let's do it for the children's sake. Number two, let's do it for the church's sake. 
Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 18. But first he said in Matthew uh, 16, 13, he said this. He said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, others Elias, or other Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said, but whom say ye that I am? That's a question of the day. Whom say ye that Jesus is? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say, thou art Peter, I mean Petros, and upon this rock, Petra, the big rock. There's a play on words there in the Greek. People say he built it on Peter. No, he didn't go to Peter and read his letter. He'll tell you who the cornerstone is. Uh, he said, you're Peter, you're a little rock. But upon this rock, Petra, the big rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that tell me? That tells me if they're closing, something wrong between them and Christ. So I've been, last year I was in several different states and something that I began to look for when I was there, Jimmy, was churches for sale. I can't tell you how many I've seen church for sale. For sale. All denominations. It isn't, just, it isn't just Church of Christ or Church of God or the Pentecostal movement. It's not just free will Baptist churches or independent Baptists or Southern Baptists. Listen, they're all denominations, Dennis, and they're closing, brother. If it's up on that rock, the gate of hell cannot prevail against it. Jesus said that and he's never lied. If it's his church, it's built upon that rock. Him, not Peter. Now give Peter the keys. He had to open the door. I want to give you something. I know I quote this verse a lot. Hebrews 10, 25. You're probably sick of it. But, and one guy told me, said, no, he just says it one time. I said, if it's God's word, how many times he got to say it? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting the brethren, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is that? That's the day of the Lord. Now listen. When I had COVID, I missed more church in that month than I'd ever missed before. I missed an entire month of church. I never missed that. In my, in my ministry, or in my, after I got right with the Lord over here in the old sanctuary in 1991 or two, whenever it was. But I was too sick to come. And I didn't want to share what I had because I thought I was going to die and I didn't want anybody of you dying. So I'm saying that to say this, there's reasons for you not to come to church. But just because you don't feel like it on Sunday night is not a reason not to be here. And especially if you hold a position in this church. What are you doing? I'm trying to raise the bar. Say, well, I don't want to come. Well, then you need to resign. And I'll say, that's okay. I won't be mad. I won't, I won't throw a fit. I won't do nothing. We'll just get somebody else put in that spot. So, oh, now it's quiet, preacher. Listen to the statistics. Do it for, there's 300 approximately, according to Pew Research, 380,000 churches in the United States. 
That's continental United States, 380,000 churches. In 2000, this is Pew Research, 2016, 52% said they attended church weekly. That's at least one time. In 2021, 43%. So nearly 10% lost in them few years. But they don't come. Or 43% only come one time a week. In 2023, Pew Research, 20% of people that call themselves Christians come to church one time a week. 20%. My son talked to a fella who's his boss at Nissan the other day. I won't know, tell you his name. And he asked him, he said, we went to lunch and this guy said, you know what we find most unusual around here is the religion. He said, I can't tell you how many times we've been invited to church. Tennessee is, is fourth in the line of attendance in the continental United States of people attending church. Alabama's number one. Utah's number two. We know that's a false thing. They're number two, so we ought to be up to uh, three at least. Three, I think, was Mississippi, and four was Tennessee. You know what happens? Old preacher told me one time, said every time you don't come to vote to close the doors. Don't take what God's given us here for granted. He could take it away that quick. It could be gone tomorrow. Do it for the church's sake. You stay on the wall. And when the devil says, don't. You sung the right song, brother. I'm going to die on the battlefield. I am not. And why? Because, huh? He took my sin to the cross. I'm going to die on the battlefield. I'm going to die in the war. If I get killed in this thing, hey, listen, I'm leaving in my next breath will be heaven. I'm going to the house. I want Pat, when I die, I want Pat to put a big sign up on my coffin and said, he's gone to the house. That's what us hillbillies say when you say, where are you going? My daddy said it. I heard him say it a million times. Where are you going? I'm going to the house. And Jesus said, in my father's. Thank you. Paul, just go to the house. Do it for the church's sake. Because it's his church. It is his church. This is not my church, and it's not your church, and it doesn't belong to the free will Baptist. This is the Lord's church. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. There's only one church. This denominational junk that has permeated the American people, I'm telling you, it began that way. They begin to separate and do things. Hey, listen. It's not a God. They're just one body. Again, it's the father's position or responsibility to get them to the church. And if daddy won't come, then it falls on mama. And mama was the one that gave me most of my capital punishment. Because dad was in a truck and gone somewhere. Wasn't none of this, wait till your daddy gets home. No, it was a beat down right then. 
And if I ever looked at her and said, I don't want to. Mistake. And I certainly never said no. Double beat down. So, dad, mom, when they look you in the eye and say, I'm not going, say, you're not eating until you do what I say. Starve them out for three or four days. They'll be begging to come to church. What is that? Forced fasting. <laughs> Don't starve your kids. Somebody got in. That preacher said they'll starve the children to death. They'd be better off starved than they would to die and go to hell. You know, the only night that we could get the ball field for Dusty to practice little league ball, guess which night of the week we got? Wednesday. You know what we'd do? Now, even when I coached, I coached a couple of years, we'd pull up, or Pat would pull up, I knew what she had. She had his church clothes on. He'd go in, he'd, he'd change clothes, come to church, change clothes, put his church clothes on. Didn't wear his cleats and his ball game and all that. He'd come and he'd put his church clothes on. What are you teaching him? I'm teaching him to respect the house of God. They ought to be a reverence. We have lost in America the reverence for the house of God is going out the window. Hey, listen, do it for the church's sake. Do it for their sake. But you know what happened? When he got in college, you know where he is at on Wednesday night? Church. And when his little boy said the other day, because they hadn't been able to go to church for a while, there's reasons, never an excuse. And Joe Best at the hospital. Dusty's at a place. He's not getting home until after church starts. Now they're having to drive to go to church. Not like here where you can be at church in 15 minutes. What a blessing. 20. Some of you might. Junior drives the farthest. An hour. I'll give you an hour. And Colin said, where are we going? And he said, we're going to church. He said, we went to church the other day. He said, yeah, and we're going to church tonight. And now on Wednesday nights, do you know what he expects to do? Go to church. It's not rocket science. It's what you train them up to do. Well, let's go on. You're mad already. Nehemiah gets off the wall. The gates never get hung. The gates never get hung. Anything can come and go that wants to. The children aren't safe. The family isn't safe. The house of God isn't safe. There's no safety where the gates aren't up and in, 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 in effect. But what we do, listen, friends. What we do, we all do it for the children, yes. We all do it for the church, but let's do it for Christ. You know what Christ sees? When you're hurting too bad to come and you're sick. And I ain't talking about the flu pneumonia and all this stuff that's going around. If you've got that, please stay home. Don't make everybody sick. Thank you, Randall and Tom, for, uh, Tonya, for not coming when you're just uh, uh, foaming and sick and carrying on. We thank you for just, just use some sick. Don't come in that condition. But if you've got a backache, toothache, headache, Pat's probably got a pill if you've got a headache. She's a walking drugstore. But just do it for his sake. Here's what, here's what Peter said. Jesus said, they're going to crucify me. And he said, he said, Lord, he said, I'll die for your sake. I'll give my life for your sake. And the, Jesus said, Peter, 
Wilt thou give thy life for my sake? Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. Would you give your life for my sake? This is when I do this, I'm contemplating to tell it or not. So we had something planned the other day. I'm not whining, it's just what it is. Pat called Dusty and said, you know what? Said, we may have to, we may, this may not happen. We may have to cancel. He said, I'm not planning nothing with you all anymore. Because every time, Dad, something comes up and you have to go do something else. My thought was, yeah, but that's why God's blessed us like he has. Gordon said this morning, just follow. That's why God's blessed us like he has, boy. You know what? It worked out anyway. What about that? But God knew that if it didn't work out, what I was going to do. Some of you remember James Blair. I'm going to tell this and I'm done. Some of you remember James and Jean Blair. I love them. And James Blair, I hadn't been preaching very long. James Blair said, hey, there's a church in Ohio that needs a pastor, and I want to give him your name. I said, don't give him my name. I'm not going to Ohio. I want him like frost, and it's cold up there. And so he wouldn't leave me alone. Every time I walked in that door, he'd be standing there smiling at me or come in smiling. He'd say, can I give him your name? I said, no, James, you can't give him my name. I'm not going to Ohio. Not. No. Oh, no. Well, I was at the house one day, Randy, and God got on me hard. And he said, do you remember what you said? He said, Lord, if you'll hear me, I'll go. That's when I so far back slid on God that I didn't think he'd listen to me. And I said, if you'll hear me, I'll go. And I'm out there walking around the house, just trying to hear from heaven. And all I heard was, go. I come in the house and I told Pat, she was washing dishes. I said, what if we just have to sell everything we got and go to Ohio? She never said a word. I thought, here's my out. She's going to say, I'm not going to Ohio. She just kept washing dishes, looking out the back window. This is as vivid in my mind as if it happened yesterday. She's looking out the window and she doesn't, she doesn't turn and look at me. She just speaks these words and she says, if the Lord's telling you to go out to Ohio, we'll sell everything we've got and move. I thought, oh. <laughs> I'm going to Ohio. How presumptuous of me. He just wanted to get my name. I've never pastored anything. You think that church is going to vote me in? No, probably not. come to church on a Wednesday night, James Blair standing there. He'd beat me to church. He'd never done it. He'd beat me to church. He's standing there in the foyer. I went up to him. My head's down. My heart's in my hand. I walk up to him. I said, Brother James. He said, let me tell you something. I said, no, let me tell you something. I know what you're going to say. I said, give them my name. If they want me to come, we'll go to Ohio. Dusty, a freshman in high school. He talks like I do. He wouldn't have got along good in Ohio. 
James looked at me and said, hey, Mike, that church got him a pastor. And I said, hallelujah. I am glad. That's just what it was. You know what he wanted me to do? He wanted me to be willing. I didn't have to go. I just had to be willing. And he knew if I was willing. Abraham, listen, when he took old Isaac up that hill, God knew all the time he's not going to kill that boy. I'm not going to let you hurt that boy. But I want to see if you're willing to go. So what you do, listen, do it for the children's sake. We've seen we got a bunch. Do it for our church's sake, more in 24. Invite somebody every week to come here on Sunday morning. Now don't take them from another church. There's plenty to pluck from out there. You don't have to get them from another church. But do it for Christ's sake. That's who we do it for. We do it for his sake. And when we do it for his sake, we're doing it for the right reason. And he can bless you. And he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you more than you're blessed right now. But motive is everything. And what you do, you've got to be doing it for him. That makes all the difference. I've caught myself saying this, and I wish it wasn't true, but it is, and I'll tell it, share it with you. I found myself saying, well, I've got to get a message together because I have to preach on Sunday. I get to preach on Sunday. I get to get a message together, and everybody, I, I didn't have one interruption yesterday. It was a glorious day, no interruptions. And I know what you're thinking. You ought to have been able to come up with something better than this if you had all day to do it. It's the best I can do. And I'll tell you this, when I read Nehemiah two days ago and I come across that line, I didn't know I'd preached that here before. He said, I cannot come down. He said, are you coming down? Not if you'll help me, Lord, I won't. Set it in our minds to be the best whatever he's called us to do. And there'd be no, no, no excuse or no exception. Just I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it for him. We stand our feet, Sister Brown, and play something on the piano. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.